signs and wonders. That's what we've been talking about now for a few weeks. Signs and wonders, as John describes, things that are very, very special. We've been walking through some of those during this Epiphany season. 36 miracles, as other gospel writers put it, but we're looking not at 36, but a handful of them. A miracle? You know, that's where something goes beyond the ordinary. Something that takes place as in a suspension of natural activities. Things that happen every day and things that happen in a certain way that we can figure out, that we can measure. The Bible? The Bible often refers to these things as signs. Miracles, yes, but signs that point us toward God. Not just something special in and of itself. And when Jesus performed these miracles, gospel writer calls it sign. A sign that he was God. That he was God at work in here in a very special kind of way on a mission. Two weeks ago, we talked about the first sign that Jesus performed in the town of Cana. Remember, those of you who were here, water into wine, a sign, a special one at a wedding party. And then last week, there was a sign for the centurion whose boy was sick unto death. He pleaded with Jesus. Jesus heard, and without going to that place where the boy was, and with only a word, the, the faith of the centurion saw. He saw his son get healed and not suffer death. Today, a second miracle in Cana. But in this case, the boy was dead. The son, a young man, a young man of a widow having suffered once and then twice. Maybe not the third overall miracle, but a sign nonetheless, an important one. In one instance, the official's son was healed even before anything happened with Jesus, before he went, before he touched him. But in this case, it happened that the son was dead. Dead. Life was gone. And without being asked, Jesus stopped the funeral procession, touched the man, and brought him back to life. He showed the power over not only sickness, but over death, all in the context of love. And isn't that what God is all about? About love. About a mother's love in this case. But not just the mother's love, but Jesus' love. Their love for life. And God loves life. He does. God's the one who created life. And remember, he did it from scratch. He didn't start with anything. And you know, if he created life, it had to be in part that he loved it. That he loved life and brought it into existence to and made us alive people. As a matter of fact, people say 385,000 times each day, life outside the womb begins by God. 140 million per year receive the gift of life in this world because God loves life. He gives it 
He supports it. He enriches life. That's His doing, especially human life. Especially. Uh, Our lives which are markedly different and distinct. Well, God loves all life. He loves especially you and me, people to whom He's granted this special gift. So much so, God loved life that he gave human life to his son. His son Jesus, the son of God, became one of us with the gift of human life. God had the love. He does love life. He showed it in his son Jesus. Jesus, who as God and as human loves life too. He is a friend for life. Now that can mean at least a couple of things as I see it. Jesus was a friend for life. That means he's all for it. He's for life, not death. He's for it. He advocates for life. He is in favor of it. Death will destroy, but Jesus gives life. He's in life for life, all in. One of my favorite passages recorded in John's Gospel, Jesus said, I've come that they may have life, life to the full, or life in all of its fullness, as another translation puts it. I've come they may have life, even full life. He brought back that young man who was the son of a widow of Nain, and he did for Lazarus as well. His friend, after three days in the grave, he raised him to life as well. Jesus not only lived life, he lived for life as a proponent. And he died for life as well, for you, for me, for those 385,000 each day that see the light of this world and for the millions each year that come to life. And he reminds us about life. He says, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for a friend. And here's the thing. Jesus calls us friend. You heard me say that to the children, and it wasn't just me. I read from the Bible because that's precisely what Jesus said. Of all the things that we are, think we are, and what other people call us, Jesus calls us his friend. No longer servants, he said, but you are my friends. We are friends for life. Like Jesus, we're all in. We are all for it, just like him. And as God values life, we value it too. Our life, we value. And the life of other human beings around us, we value. We too are advocates for life from womb to tomb, as many put it, from preborn to death, and everything in between those two markers in time. We're for it, like God was for it. The love of life, the value of life, however, that's the trouble. The trouble is that those things have been diminished. The value and the love of life. Too often, little by little, what's become most important is 
a person's concept, a person's desire, what that person wants in that person's life becomes the controlling principle rather than the giver of life. And so often, too often, life gets devalued, even in everyday thinking. With the swipe of a presidential pen, with legislation from people who are of whatever ilk, from everyday kinds of things that rub off on us, too many simply don't value life. I talked to an obstetrician once, and he said, I'm getting out of the business. I can't do it anymore. And he said, I can't do it because everybody wants a perfect child. And when they don't get a perfect child, they don't want life. They don't want life for that child. And even more, they'll take me to court because of it. And I mean, I've just had enough of delivering life, but not of life itself. Thank God. But too often it happens. You know, when Jesus spoke about the end times, the kinds of things will happen and even are happening today, all the signs and wonders that he pointed to, you know, one thing that he said is that love would grow cold. Love would go grow cold. That's a scary scenario, a scary thought, but it's also a scary reality as we have seen in so many dimensions, even love for life going cold. Since 1973, 60 million lives have been snuffed out before birth into this world. Love grown cold. As a friend committed to life, as friends of Jesus and Jesus as our friend, we, we got to stand. We, we do stand for life. Life even of all its fullness. And I think of this especially for moms, for mothers. You are attached to life like, like we males can't be, never will be. There's something different. I've seen it from afar, but not too far. I've seen it in my mother-in-law who lost a number of children before birth, a number. And I've seen it in my wife who miscarried. And I've seen how that has affected them, not only once in time, but how that pain, something of it that remains. And we're here as friends for life, to help, to encourage, to comfort one another, female to female, male to male, mate, and back and forth, all of us, individually. You know, and of all the things that you have a staff here for at St. Michael, that's part of our calling. That's part of what we are here for, to hear, to listen, and to help. That's why people are here with special training, like what we call Stephen ministers, to do the very same thing. That's why Christians have time and again established agencies and organizations to do the same thing, like the Hope Center here in town, or that great place, Silent No More, to give comfort to those who've lost life, pre-born and born, because, well, quite frankly, it amazes me. But it is so understandable that we who love life would reach out like that to support, to counsel, not to blame, but to help, 
time and again being committed to life. We're committed all the way through to everyone involved. And you see, Jesus is not only for life, with us, for it. Jesus is for life. I mean, he's in it for the long haul. Jesus is our friend for life, from beginning of our life to the end of our life. You know, Jesus was here. He lived our life, as I mentioned. But he left, but he didn't leave us alone. He said what otherwise we couldn't understand. It would have gone over our heads, but it hit our hearts when he said, but I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. With us in a new way, a different way, but with us as friends, friends for life, our friend. And he said, I'm with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the book of Hebrews put an exclamation to this. He said, never, never will I leave you or forsake you. He's a friend for life. Call upon me, Jesus said, in the day of trouble. I'll listen. I will deliver you. I will help you. Jesus, friend for life. You and I, very same thing. We're not called to devalue life to denigrate those who don't, even those who don't respect it or those who've been hurt by life. We're here to help, to listen, to care. You know the word that's used of Jesus in this incident at Nain is the word compassion. You think about that word, compassion? And it means to suffer with. Something that comes deep down from inside. Nothing that's just surface, but a, a suffering that wells up in us. And as Jesus had compassion, and calls us friends because of it. We have that same compassion implanted in us for all, for life, friends for life, no matter what. No matter this, no matter that. You know, what we have known all along as God's people in faith in Jesus, science has now put very clearly and put the issue to rest. Life begins when it begins in mom as conception. It begins there and it continues. Not only science, but our faith tells us all the way through, even to the end of that life. Unequivocally true from either dimension. It comes early at the very beginning and it continues up to the very last moments. And so our concern, so our value, so our loving actions. And this is how we can help. This is how we can act, not just mentally with a concept, but we can listen. We can listen to life. We can listen to those who've experienced life and the loss of life. We're called, we're enabled, we're privileged to do that. And even with something like diapers, the kids learn all sorts of ways to value life. And there's one, to provide diapers for moms, for ultimately for children, to enrich life, to help. For us, that, yes, but also involve ourselves in issues that revolve around, that, that head toward the very center of the issue of life. And to support and to strengthen the suffering as we have compassion and as we suffer along with them. 
families that are under duress. And we, we can pray. If there's nothing else, we can pray for the gift of life, to be with it, to know that Jesus is for it, and to help us be more and more for it, even for life. And you know what? You know, you can influence people. Your understanding of the value of life, your practice of putting that into everyday life, that rubs off. And you know what? The younger generation these days gets it. They've received it. They reflect it. Their understanding and their friends for life as God in Jesus was friend for life. It happened at Nain. It happened again and again. It's happening right now in your life. And Jesus would have it continue to happen. Friends for life. God, God in Jesus, God in you, God in me. Friends for life. Talk about signs and wonders in the past for sure. Signs and wonders, love today to be sure as we love life even to that point of being friends for life. In Jesus. Amen. God will keep and he'll strengthen your life, a life now, ultimately a life. It doesn't have to be, but God shows it to be a life with him forever.